and welcome to another episode of Dice Talk, the show where we talk all things Dungeons and Dragons to come up with some helpful hints and interesting ideas that you can bring back to the gaming table. I'm your host, Jeremy Fair, and on tonight's episode, we are going to discuss a topic that is a little bit different from most of the things that we've talked about on Dice Talk so far. Tonight, we will be focusing on how to get new players to the table. To do this, I have two special guests, and we're going to be taking a look at a new role-playing system called Tavern of Heroes that is specifically designed for new players. We have a lot to talk about on this subject, so without further ado, let's get into it on Dice Talk. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dice Talk. We have an awesome episode planned for you tonight. I actually have two special guests featured on tonight's episode, Michael and Steven Sagliano. So why don't the two of you just take a moment to introduce yourself, tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and your experience with Dungeons & Dragons and just role-playing games in general. What's up, everyone? This is Michael. And this is Steven, even though we sound exactly alike. Yeah, we are identical twins, so we're just going to apologize at the start for, you know, it's going to be two people with the same voice. That's going to get exhausting. Yeah, but, two, two for one. Uh, so so we, I don't know, I mean, I, I think we should start by saying we just love tabletop RPGs. We think we've played video games and board games and card games our whole life, but but tabletop RPGs are certainly the most fun that we have ever had gaming period. So that includes obviously D&D. We actually uh, play a lot of Pathfinder as well. That's probably our primary system is Pathfinder, but we were introduced to D&D all the way back in college, back in a time that is in the past. We won't say too specifically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But recently we created our own rule system that is specifically designed for beginner players. So that's kind of, that's who we are. Well, I guess we should add one other tidbit in that we are... um, we're board game designers as well. So since 2010, we've designed three other titles besides our our game is called Tavern of Heroes. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's kind of... What are the board games that you've designed so far? So it's actually two board games and a card game. The first board game we made is called Spiritual Warfare. It's a an RPG. It's a reasonably light strategy game uh no you know what it's, it's probably kind of a heavy strategy game yeah the actual genre is <laughs> is euro trash if there's anyone listening that understands the breakdown of uh of, of board game design but yeah it's a euro trash game it actually combines a lot of different elements um from or mechanics from games that we love games like uh popular ones would be settlers of Catan or ticket to ride we, we kind of stole pirates cove is another one yeah yeah um mechanics from those uh, the second game is Mice and Dice. It's it's more targeted at a younger audience, like kids. It kind of teaches counting. Uh, the plug is it's your turn on every turn. It's like a dice counting uh, dice counting game. Um, and then the third one is called uh, Skeleton Creek, which is based off of a young adult series called Skeleton Creek. And uh, and then as we mentioned, obviously our fourth title now is Tavern of Heroes, which is our first um, RPG rule system mm-hmm. designed game and i'm gonna be honest we are loving it it's it's we had a really good time we've designed it for about uh a year now we started last summer designing it uh and we're just super stoked on it and did that involve a lot more work than you kind of expected or because you made the board games and the card game already did you feel more prepared wow that that's actually no one's asked that that's a really good question i i think a hundred percent having designed three previous games Mm -hmm. lent itself to this process a lot but um you know, a rule system for a tabletop RPG is drastically different than like, you know, a card game or a Euro trash board mm-hmm. game. Yeah, of course. It was more just being, it was more like macro level, like thinking about, you know, just what do we want this game to be? If we do want it to be for beginners, like, you know, just what does that mean? And since we designed a game like Mice and Dice, which is for very simple to play, um, and then a game like Spiritual Warfare, which is a little bit harder, we kind of knew going in, you know, some some macro choices to make. This is Steven. You know what I will say is from from a game design and mechanics perspective, we it, it wasn't that much harder, but we spent three or four months in strategic development, yeah. like but before we even touched the mm-hmm. system. Um 
we spent significantly longer just just talking about uh, and discussing our strategy, like what what are the goals for the project, what are our mission statements um, that that we wanted to get out of it. So way longer there, but I wouldn't say it was like harder than yeah, than uh, the other traditional games. And maybe that's just because, like you said, we, we kind of had you know eight years of experience in in designing games in the bag. And I think it's also worth mentioning, like you know, just. Steve and I are so passionate about this. Like we love this yeah. so much that it doesn't, it, it was, it's a lot of work and, you know, it was a lot of bashing our head against the wall and crunching numbers and, you know, going through hero sheets and I, making a lot of really small decisions. And it, it, that sounds hard, but we were just yeah, so, so jacked up about it that, you know, it never seemed hard. It was just really, really fun to do. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I've, I've tried making a few games of my own. Um, one of them was called True Nerd. Oh, awesome. And True Nerd is basically <laughs> a game that's kind of it's kind of like um, a really simple version of D anD D, except any time you would roll dice rather than referring to your stats, you answer a trivia question, and depending on the challenge of the trivia question, that'll give you your bonus to your D twenty dice roll to see if you succeeded or failed. Nice. Um, so, so it is a cooperative storytelling game, though, or no? Yeah, it um, kind of works out where, you, you know, you'd have like a, a DM or something kind of guiding everybody. But I tried to kind of it. make it in such a way to where the DM's also being able to answer questions every now and then to kind of even surprise themselves. But it's been nowhere near like published, like how your three games have been. Well, you have full permission to, to send it to us. And we also are, are the Spiritual Warfare and Mice and Dice were self-published. Yeah, I mean, self-published and never even released to like a mass market. Um, I mean, they're full working title games, but Skeleton Creek and uh, is our, is our, it was actually published through a, uh, a publisher. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we could talk about just making board games alone all day, but um, we are yeah, here yeah. for a Yeah, so uh, hang on. Well, hang on now. Wait, wait, wait. Well, now I'm curious. Is True Nerd your only... I thought you said games. Is True Nerd your only game that you've tried to design or no? Well, okay. So True Nerd is the only game that I've got to a test play phase. Um, I actually okay, made yeah. like two different versions of True Nerd before I was sure of what I wanted to do. Like one of them kind of worked yeah. as a board game, uh, like more of a traditional board game style. And then after playing through that, I was like, you know what? This would be a lot cooler if it was like a role-playing tabletop game. Cause originally my idea was a role role-playing tabletop game and it just kind of turned into a board game. And then I went back. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of yeah. fun making it. Well, look on commercial appeal alone, the name yeah, true, true nerd. nerd is so good. I want to. I, we want to like buy that off yeah, of you. I was about to say you could. You could. I expect you to just send us the rule system so we can take a look and play it. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I can, yeah maybe cool I can send that to you sometime. Um, cool. So, anyways, we're here to talk about your podcast, Tavern of Heroes. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. So it's an it's an actual play podcast um, featuring our game system, Tavern of Heroes, um, targeted at a. An audience that look one of our one of our vivid descriptors or mission statements was we want to bring people to the table for the first time instead of back to the table. Um, so the the show features um, adventures that are procedural. So we tell our what what we call adventures over the course of two episodes, two sometimes three, and we have a rotating cast of ten different heroes um, ten, and, and ten different players that. Uh, yeah, that rotate on, and the vast majority of those those players are brand new to tabletop RPGs. They've never played before. So the other thing that makes our show different than other actual play podcasts, and look, I'm sure if listeners that are listening to this know that there are 100 different actual play podcasts to listen to. <laughs> probably more. Um, but one, yeah, yeah probably yeah. way more than that, honestly. I probably listened to 100, that actual number, before <laughs> we even started designing the show. But one of the big things that, actually, there's a few big things we wanted to do that were different is our show leans way more towards being a radio drama, like in a one hour adventure show than an actual play. Like some actual plays are called actual plays because they are actual play. I mean, they record everything, you know, there's, there's no editing. And one of the biggest differences ours does, you know, we do sound effects and scoring and editing. So, and it's, we don't really do that much actual content that we cut out, but just on the sound effect and the scoring alone, it, it feels a little bit more like a radio drama than, 
um, you know, than, than, than an actual play. I mean, that's a good thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, <laughs> it's honestly, it's probably my, this is Michael. I do all the editing and the scoring. And so, you know, that's probably my favorite thing is that it, and a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from people that are not even, they're just, they don't play D and D, but they're not even gamers. You know, they've said like, well, what I like about the show is that, it, you know, it just feels like a radio, like a, mm-hmm. like a one hour drama I watch on TV, except I listen to it through my headphones. So um, that's that's one of the big decisions yeah. we made. And then probably the other one is, um, you know, our our rule system is is essentially a very, very whittled down D20 system like you would find in D&D and Pathfinder and other uh, tabletop RPG rule systems. So just because it's so whittled down, there's just, you know, we just don't talk about rules that much on the show. And there's other actual plays. And frankly, we listen to them and we love them. But, you know, that is just part of the experience of listening to that show. It's like, you know, reading paragraphs of spell lists or like feats and like, what does this do? And like talking about the rules. And there's a lot of tactical talk that's involved in that. And just from a, you know, an experience of listening to Tavern of Heroes, we we just don't do that because we just we don't really have that in our system. One of the ways we we open our show or start our adventure by saying, let's tell a story. And that's really intentional because what what we specifically don't do or try to avoid, at least, is is that pause to look up the rules or, uh, you know, talk about game mechanics. And again, it's not that we don't enjoy that in, in other shows that we do, but it's just not the type of uh, show we want or, more, I guess, more importantly, the audience that we want to cater to. And then the last thing that is is very different, and I actually think it's it's the most unique quality of our show, is the procedural element that Steve mentioned a little bit ago in that Almost, and I have yet to find one that's not this way, but almost every other actual play is a massively serialized story, right? They're going, you know, they're on one massive adventure, and we tell contained adventures, which just makes it, and and our episodes are a little shorter, too. We're almost always under an hour, so they're just a little bit more digestible. And again, all of those decisions, everything that I just named were specifically designed for people that just have no idea what D&D is, you know, but are probably curious after shows like maybe they like Game of Thrones, so they're into the fantasy genre now. But um, yeah, you know, that's kind of what all the decisions we made specifically, yeah, to design Tavern of Heroes, the show, and ultimately the game as well. Well, that's probably kind of the perfect way to do it, because like you said, you're kind of targeting this audience who is new to tabletop role-playing games, they're new to Pathfinder, new to D&D. And that's kind of um, from the understanding I have of your rule system for Tavern of Heroes. That's kind of the point to simplify things, to kind of make them uh, friendly for someone who's new to it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the bread and butter mm-hmm. of what we try to do. And I don't know if we've done it, but that's certainly what we're trying to do. And I feel like it's worth coupling that with this. And Jeremy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, man. But I think that right now, sit it when it's, it's July. What, when is this going to air, Jeremy? Yeah, this will be airing you know, on next Wednesday. So you know, th- when this comes out on July 11th, that actual day is probably the best time ever to get people into tabletop RPGs because of what I just said. Because because of Netflix, I'm sorry, because of Stranger Things, and because of Game of Thrones, and just because of how popular gaming has become the last five or ten years, and mainly video games, but. Yeah, man, like, I'm sorry, and board games. Like, there's been a huge board game revolution in the last 10 years. I think you could make an argument that if you've ever wanted to play D&D or have, ever, or have been a longtime player and have wanted to find new people to play, this is probably the best time. So, essentially, Steve and I are trying to, mm. you know, capitalize on just striking when the, when the, fire, when the iron's hot. And, um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, essentially, Tavern of Heroes is kind of a gateway drug, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, into... Into D and D, I mean that because again, we like we love D and D and Pathfinder so much. It's just it's so hard to get people to play, just because of the barrier to entry, because of how just look. It's kind of hard to play D and D, and frankly, because of the stigma around it, right? Like it's it's hard to tell people like, hey, what are you doing on Friday? You want to come over and play D and D? Most people that have never played it are like, yeah, no, I I think I'm just gonna go on living my life, man. Like I, you know, I. That's like really nerdy. I don't want to do that because they, but they just don't know. Like they don't know. It's the most fun you could possibly have ever. Yeah, and I think to this is Stephen to to step that out a little more. One of the the frustrations. I mean, if Michael's already said it, but 
the, the most fun gaming experience that Michael and I have is playing tap RPGs. And that's about PC games, but other board games, console games. But what we found was, you know, we have a lot of game nights with family and friends. And we have tried in the past to invite people to play D&D or you know, in our D, a D&D campaign or a Pathfinder Adventure Path. And it's it's basically just a hard no. But but what we think is that there's just a real lack of understanding. As Michael mentioned, like back in the days of Gary Gygax, there could just be that stigma from the 70s and 80s of like, oh, it's like devil worship or you're going to dress up in robes. And, Honestly, and like, just, like that's not a joke. Honestly, yeah, like that's like what that. people actually think. Uh, one of the guys that came on our show, like literally actually said that on air. He was like, I was disappointed when, when I showed up and you guys weren't dressed in, in robes and had wads and stuff. Um, you know, but was he dressed in robes? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Although I, it wouldn't have surprised me, uh, but it would have been as a joke. And then, you know, the other piece is, you know, if someone does say yes, you have to hand them a three to 400 page rule book and say, okay, great. We'll see you in about a month. Go ahead and read all this. And that'll take another probably two weeks to roll up your character. And again, if, if you're a tabletop RPG player, then, you know, that, that's, that's great, right? Like uh, Michael and I love diving into the rules and learning a new system, but, for for someone a little more mainstream that that wouldn't call themselves a tabletop RPG gamer, or even a gamer, honestly, yeah, if you can get them to say yes to even just playing, you probably lose them at the high barrier to entry because of the rule system. So yeah, just wanted to step it out a little bit more again. Why why we made Tavern of Heroes this the show and the game system the way that we did to to try to get people like I said to the table for the first time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like. The reason I DM so, I mean, I love DMing, but the reason I DM so much is because I'm always the one convincing people <laughs> yeah, to play yeah. D&D. So I've like come up with these quick ways to streamline making a character. Like it took me six months to get my girlfriend to just make a character. She hasn't played yet. It's been like another <laughs> month since then. Hey, honestly, good Preach, job, though. You know I mean? Good job, man. That's step I'm one. Like, I'm like, it's like Skyrim, but no limits. Hey, Jeremy, <laughs> yeah, so look, like, I, but, uh, this always fascinates me for people that have played D&D for a long time and obviously like you just mentioned like you try to get your girlfriend they try to get people to play are there tips and things that you like you just said you figured out a way to you know to cut corners on making a character really fast but are there things you do for a first like a session zero to to make it you know yeah just more accessible you know what I mean there is actually I um so a lot of times I'll use the pre-published campaigns but I've I've created a few of my own campaigns and I have two or three different ones that are specifically made for people who are new. Dope. So like one, I assume they're like than, one shots, right? Like they're contained, you know, done in two to four hours type of thing. Well, they're supposed to be, but people always <laughs> surprise me and it ends up ends up being like two or three. But but you know, it's not like a a ten week campaign yeah, right, or something. Right, it's right. like two or three sit downs and um. So yeah, rather than telling them like, here's this big rule book, go read it. I'm kind of like, what kind of character do you want to play? What do you see? And, you know, I'll tell them to say, I want to be like a rogue type character. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you know, what kind of things do you like about that? What kind of race would you like to play? Rather than sure, giving sure. them all these stats and options, yeah. I have them choose the type of character. And then I explain, okay, cool. These are what you can choose from. Which one do you want? And it's kind of like they don't even look at the handbook until they're sitting down playing for the first time. I just kind of build the character with them to get smart. them started. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. When I run so the here, initial here, campaign, I'll, I'll try to give them little bits and pieces. Like I'll give them a an easy challenge. Then I'll I'll throw them a challenge so that it's too hard for them. So they have to learn to run away sometimes. Then I'll give them like a role play situation. So they have to break mm-hmm. out of their shell a little bit, start utilizing the skills their character has, actually have a conversation. Cool. I like to just kind of let them get into yeah. it piece by piece. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. smart. It's really smart, yeah. What, well, one of the things that Steve and I thought about really early on is, you know, look, we, we've probably for 10 or 15 minutes talked about um, how hard it is to get people to play. And one of the other big decisions we made early on in designing the game is it's not just about getting people to play. It's also about getting, you know, like you need someone to DM, like you need someone to pick it off the shelf. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, DMing can be a chore. Like, it, uh, And I, I mean that for someone who has never played, but it's like, you know, look, I'm kind of interested in D&D. None of my friends play, but maybe I'll start being a DM like for that person. That can't, it doesn't have to, but but that can mean just a lot of work. Like it can mean, you know, you got to read a campaign. You obviously have to be familiar with the rule system. You probably got to buy a bunch of dice and, you know, draw maps and stuff. And so one of the things, and and we're hoping that this like blows people's mind. Like this, this is honestly, it's like what we're, what we're really going for is 
We tried to eliminate literally all of the heavy lifting, even for the DM, so that we truly want to have our experience of playing a game be sit and play. Just like any other board game, you could pick it up off the shelf, you sit down, you open it up, and our adventures are probably nine to ten pages. And frankly, you know, it just reads like almost like a choose your own adventure. And, you know, there's script that's just for the our, – our, our DMs are called story master because, you know, they're – and SM. So our SMs have like a narration that they read aloud to the players. There's italicized parts that just they read. So they kind of know a little bit what's going on behind the screen. And then there's, um, you know, like different character voices and dialogue that they read, like right from the adventure. And then there's stat blocks like right in the adventure. So um, and that's kind of a nice segue to, you know, like the one thing that our game doesn't really allow for and i I, it's sounding like i'm saying it as a negative but it's not is like we don't have sandboxy Mm -hmm. adventures right like you can't you don't get in one of our adventures and be like well i want to go to this city like you know it's the it's very railroady so that experience of you know a lot of what a dm has to do before they sit down is like you know you need to know everything about the world and like if your players just if you have door a b c and d and they want to go to d man you like and you were planning on them going to b you got to be prepared for that, and and just that alone can be really intimidating, I think. And when I, I've DM'd in the past, and you know, like sometimes when your players throw in a curveball, yeah, it can just be really tough. So part of what we wanted to do, just in the design of running players through the game and picking it up off the shelf, is you can literally just sit down, hand out the hero sheets, open up an adventure, and start reading and play our game. Like we, we that's that's one of the core experiences mm-hmm. we're going for. We also we use a, a tool called Dungeon Pater Studio. Shout out to them, by the way. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Jeremy. Uh, it's, a, it's a software program that basically allows you to create your own custom maps with a pretty incredible amount of detail. Have you heard of them, Jeremy? Ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. I feel like I've heard of it. I don't know that I've used it before. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so another awesome. thing along those same lines is we also um, include with every adventure the the maps in the back um uh, completely ready to go so i mean you, if you print it That's out awesome. you print them out along with the adventure you can literally just pop them right out from the back and, and the appendix and uh and and sit down and play um this is kind of a, a funny anecdote just to, to share the pain i i used to work for a, a a trade show and event company and so we had one of those big epson i don't know it was like eight thousand something uh printer that could print like just think like really big floor plans so I would, I would literally, I used to wait until everybody left for the night. Like I would be like, oh, I'm working late. They would wait till everybody left. And then I would, <laughs> I would print out, I mean, they were gorgeous, these big, beautiful maps, but they were probably like at least $150 worth oh, wow. of, uh, of printing uh, to put out. So like my players benefited from these beautiful, beautiful, like high quality Put in maps, and they'd always ask me where I'm from, but I'd be like, "You're not allowed to ask." <laughs> uh, but anyways, I, I I digress. Yeah, we uh, you, you can you can probably if you want to take about twenty or thirty minutes to you know to do a read through and scan. But I mean, that's it. Like that that's max as opposed to the at least in my experience, two, three, sometimes even four hours that I would spend prepping for uh you know a session in, in either D and D or Pathfinder. So and you know what? one other kind of point I wanted to I uh, talk about is um. You know, like oftentimes when you are prepping an adventure for your players, especially in long form campaigns, you know, like you can read or create if it's your own campaign so much backstory and lore and history that, you know, like your players don't even get to or that maybe they get to like 10 percent of that. And at least in our experience, and I'm certainly not saying this applies to everyone, you know, we kind of got a little frustrated sometimes. <laughs> like you get done with a session and you're like... I mean, I read nine chapters about this family <laughs> in this city, this, their backstory. And like, I know all these details and my players just breeze right through it. And, you know, so that was one of the core choices. We, we wanted to kind of eliminate that experience. And I think you could argue that it makes it less cool and less fun because, you know, there's, there's not as much, uh, t- there's just no sandboxing, you know, but in a way it frees you up a lot. And like, you know, the railroad kind of stays on the track. The story moves from point A to point B to point C. And it essentially boils down to, you know, like goal and obstacle, right? Like, hey, there's a mission or there's a problem that's presented very early on in the first five minutes of sitting down to play. 
And then, you know, within two hours, you you got to beat up some bad guys, but ultimately you solve that goal. And in serialized storytelling in D&D campaigns and Pathfinder Adventure Pass, you know, that's it's it's not really goal obstacle. It's like, you know, there's this big world out there and, you know, kind of go explore, which I, I always feel like I need to say this. Steve and I love, love that. that. Like, we love that more than anything. That's, we you know, we came from WoW and MMORPGs where, you know, you're exploring whole worlds and there's backstory and all these, but we love that. But for beginning players that want to sit down and, and are maybe new to tabletop RPGs, it's just a little more accessible and probably a little more fun to just get in, beat up some bad guys and get out and start another adventure, you know? And on top of that, I mean, if you have a sandbox adventure, it's fun because, you know, you can do whatever you want. But when you kind of do have this railroaded path, you can also create a better story. Like you can really create a really in-depth, like epic story that you want to tell with your players. And, you know, it's more than we just spent the last three weeks running around some city and like shopping and stuff because that's what the players decided to do. So I kind of like that idea of having the campaign ready to go, like having a little bit of a railroad. So you're directing them. So you're not having this night of just like holding everybody up, you get right into the action. Yeah. Sounds great. Yep. And you know, we'll have some, like there's path A, path B, path C. Um, and we should also, this is, this is going to be very counter to everything we just talked about, but you know, Mike and I also built out a whole world that the name of our world is called Elderon. Um, actually you can go on our website and there's, there's a whole interactive map that, that shows you a bunch of different regions and cities and stuff and gives you kind of a brief, a brief history of each place. So w- one of our, one of our goals for the show is to get to the point where we will release like eight to 10 episode, uh, you know, campaigns or adventure paths for just to use a D and D or Pathfinder term. Um, you know, that, that, that takes the time to really explore, uh, region and, and have it be a little bit more sandboxy but um yeah at present our current episode structure is is just that procedural you know get in get out it's about a two two hour uh, adventure all in the other analogy that i that i think is worth mentioning and is um you know D D is is very heavy on role playing and it and it's i'm sorry it doesn't have to be very heavy on role playing but but it allows for Character development, you know, you're you're playing with these characters and you take them from level one to level 20. So, you know, sometimes you live with these with these characters. Yeah, hopefully level 20 if they don't die. You know, you live with them for two or three years. And so you are telling these big, epic personal stories, which is like, which is just so beautiful. Um, and our experience playing Tavern of Heroes, it's almost, I like saying, pitching it as it's a little bit more of like the video game version of... D and D, like it's it's honestly kind of a hack and slash. You know what I mean? It's like you get in. Hey, these bad guys kidnapped this little girl. Go beat them up. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's very very combat heavy. And because all of our in our uh, next year we hope to publish a beta version of our game. There's going to be ten heroes that we release in that beta version. You know, and like you can pick and choose from adventure to adventure which hero you play. You don't always have to play the same hero. And there certainly is a little bit of role playing when, you know, if you take that certain guy, if you take a fighter, you take a spellcaster, so on and so forth. There is, it allows for dialogue and like, you know, you get to cooperatively tell the story. But for the most part, man, it's, you know, your hero sheet is one page and it's got a bunch of abilities and an ultimate ability. And, you know, what buttons are you going to push to beat up those bad guys? So, again, it just it leans a little bit friendlier towards people that that love games like Diablo or World of Warcraft or, you know, where all the math and the and, and League of Legends and where all the math and everything is done instantaneously. Um, you know, our game kind of leans towards that experience a little more than, than Pathfinder. Certainly Pathfinder allows for, uh, but then D&D does as well. So I think that we've provided our listeners with a very good preface as to how your game Tavern of Heroes works. And I'd like to get into some more details on kind of the more specifics of um, how characters work, how stats work. But before we do that, I would like to just take one moment to thank our sponsors. Greetings, I'm Mosley Blackthorn, house bard of the Laughing King Tavern right here in the town of Haven's Hollow, and I'm here to tell you about how you can give the gift of adventure this holiday season. From the lords of adventure and war games and the makers of Dungeon Crate, the world's most adventurous RPG subscription box comes... Adventure Vault! Adventure Vault! <laughs> yes! For only $20 common currency plus shipping, you'll get a box delivered to your castle doors packed with items from the legendary Dungeon Crate. Dungeon Crate! Ha! Thank you, lively, drunken patrons! 
Just go to lordsofadventureandwargames.com or dungeoncrate.com, and with a few simple clicks, your quest for the perfect gift will be over. Hey, friendly tavern maiden, tell them some more. Each box may include treasures like dice, adventures, miniatures, coupon codes, and more. More! Adventure Vault is an epic gift for players, dungeon masters, or anyone who appreciates role-playing accessories. Recessories. Game stuff. That's right, random drunken dwarf. So let your adventure begin today. Go to lordsofadventureandwargames.com or dungeoncrate.com and get Dungeon Crate's Adventure Vault! Adventure Vault! Once again, that is Dungeon Crate, and you can go to DungeonCrate.com to use the coupon code DICETALK for $5 off of your order. Before we continue, I'm going to take this moment to just read out one of our 5-star reviews. This 5-star review comes from our iTunes page, and it was submitted by Jenna Fair. And yes, that is my sister, but she was kind enough to write a review, so I'll be kind enough to read it on the air. It is entitled, Great Podcast. This podcast is great. It is quickly becoming one of my favorites. It is very well done and always gives me plenty of inspiration for my own games. Keep it up. Thanks, Jenna. I really appreciate that, as do I all of the reviews that our listeners send in. If you would like to get a shout-out the way that Jenna did, then go ahead and leave us a five-star review so we can read it out on the podcast. Reviews really help to let us know how you feel about the show. They also help to get our show to the top of the charts so that we can reach as many listeners as possible. We still have a lot more to talk about, so let's go ahead and get back to the show. Alright, we're back. So we're talking about Tavern of Heroes, um, your tabletop role-playing system that kind of simplifies what everything what everybody loves about D&D or Pathfinder or whichever tabletop role-playing game they prefer. So I have some questions for you that are a little bit more specific than what we've covered so far. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, what type of setting is Tavern of Heroes? Is it always fantasy or is there room for sci-fi, future, historical, maybe even like a horror type setting? Phenomenal question. So it's all fantasy. The world that we created is called Elderon, and it's all humans living in the world. There are no other races, so no dwarves or elves or halflings or tieflings or dragon kind, dragonborn, all that stuff. Um, there's certainly magical creatures and, and magic exists in the world. So, you know, there's spells and there's a whole history. Um, but for the game specifically and for the podcast, it's all uh, human NPCs and um, and heroes. So, there, yeah, it's like Middle Earth and uh, and Westeros in terms of, I guess, geographic layout, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have to be honest with you. I mean, this rule system could totally be applied to another um, uh, another setting. Uh, we we just we haven't we haven't tried it. Yet. Honestly, Jeremy, you're the first person first on Earth that has asked you that. And Stephen, as soon as you asked it, Stephen, I looked at each other and we were like, oh, maybe we could come up with another world. But, uh, you know, but we're, we haven't even launched a beta version of the game yet. So for right now, it's all fantasy setting, but it could certainly be applied to especially horror. Ooh, that sounds good, too. Mm-hmm. So you said you had a lot of this information on a website. Is that website accessible? Could maybe you tell our listeners about that so they can go and look that up? So that is a half truth. I feel like we half lied to you. So we we certainly have a website. It's called tavernofheroes.com. And on that website, you can see a map of the world that we just mentioned called Elderon. And the map is fully interactive. So you can look at, you know, you can click on any city or town or geographical identifier and get a little history of that place, which is so cool. Please go to it. I spent so much time on that. But... (laughs) We have not published our rule system anywhere yet, mainly because, honestly, Jeremy, like we just need to play test it. Like I- I'm sure you can probably imagine, it, publishing a rule system is 
Yeah, it's just it's a big undertaking that requires a lot of crunching the math. Um, and we've played tested it a lot, but that's that's kind of the next thing we need to do. So it currently isn't published anywhere and it's not available to peek at, unfortunately. Well, and the other this is Steven, the other piece of that too is uh we're game designers, but we are not graphic designers or artists. So um, you know, our our rule and our hero sheets as of right now just live on pretty basic Word docs or PDFs. Mm-hmm. Um one of our we we plan to launch a patreon um hopefully by the end of the year and uh one of the one of the reward tiers or goals there will be to have uh play testers um to 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 play through and then you know from there we'll we'll raise the funds to uh hire out an artist and a graphic designer but but yeah that that that's all just a long way of saying the the reason we don't have hero sheets or um or the the rule system up on the website is because yeah, it's just not ready yet. Um, both from a, a finalized mechanic side and and a, uh, a, a a design and publication side. Playtesting it sounds awesome. I would definitely be interested in that. What you could do okay. actually is um, <laughs> s- something like uh, I don't know. You got like Dragon Con or Comic Con. You could even go yeah, there and have people totally. playtesting it. A hundred percent. And look, I I feel like this is worth mentioning in case any of our listeners are listening. Um, Steve and I decided very early on that, you know, we didn't want to measure our success of the podcast from downloads. And we use a service called Lipson where, you know, you can see how many downloads you're getting every day. But the thing that we love the most, which is by far our biggest measure of success, is just when people write in and say, all right, I mean, I totally get it. And I really want to play the game. How can I play? Where can I get your rule system? And we've been on the air for what, seven weeks now? Anyway, not a very long amount of time. And we've just gotten dozens and dozens of people that are already asking to play, to to play test and and that want to play. So that's, that's certainly what we're going for. And, and more specifically too, just to, just to add uh, another note to that, it's people that write in and say, I want to play with my son, or I want to play with my friends that, you know, I've always wanted to play D&D with but they they would they never jump in with me or my girlfriend mm-hmm. Th- those are the ones that really yeah, uh you know get our goose cooked so to speak so listening to your podcast you know i'm sitting there waiting for you guys to roll d20 and it never happens uh, what kind of dice do you roll when it comes to tavern of heroes sure and i'm gonna answer that in in two parts i'll first i'll answer it directly and then i have a small tangent so and then indirectly. So uh, we roll a percentage die. So it's marked in increments of 10 to uh, 100%, um, in increments of 10. But one of the other decisions we made, this is the indirect part. One of the <laughs> – I don't know if you've had – here, this, this is the way I love answering this part. So one of the people that we played Pathfinder with was our dad. And our dad just turned 60 a few days ago. And I, Jeremy, I can't tell you the amount of times over the three-year campaign that we ran with my dad, he would have to roll 1d8 points of damage and he would pick up a 1d10. So one of our design choices right off the bat was we have, we have a percentage die and a six-sided die and that's it. We got rid of a d4, a d10, and all of the other ones. And again, it just speaks back to that barrier of entry. Like I think you could make an argument that – and we've seen it on people's face. Like when they sit down for the first time – and you hand them seven polyhedral dice. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, "What the hell are these? Like, I don't, I don't even know what any of these do." Yeah, but if you hand them a d6 and then just explain, "Hey, this is a percentage die," even just that word alone, like, you know, and saying like, "We we obviously don't use a d20 system, so we don't say like it's a DC 17 stealth check." We say it's a difficulty check of 80, and that generally gets them in the mindset of like, okay, I have about a 20% chance of passing this before I add all my modifiers, right? Like, so just those little decisions alone, I don't know, like we've, uh, with all of our cast, certainly, who have never played a tabletop RPG, a lot of them are just voiceover actors. Some of them aren't even gamers. You know, you could kind of, it clicks pretty early on, like they kind of understand Okay, if I want to do anything, I roll this percentage die, and then if I ever want to roll damage, I roll a six-sided die. And like I, I, I'm already comfortable with what a six-sided die is. Like I've seen that before. So, so that that was one of the big early decisions we made designing the system. And even yeah, this is Stephen. Just to further clarify, for whereas Pathfinder and D and D will have weapons that do one d four, like base one d four, one d six, or one d eight. Damage dice are only used um, with d sixes and once you get past like 
1d6 plus 8 as, as like your attack bonus modifier or something like that. We'll just go to 2d6 or something like that. You were, we're only adding d6s, so so that's it. So very very specifically, for damage, you're only rolling d6. And then for any other thing in the game, you're rolling a percentage dice. And again, just to be clear, it's the percentage dice with in increments of 10. Actually, and you know what? Yeah, that it's probably worth stepping out. Really, we have a d10 system, right? We just don't use a 10-sided die. And again, it's mainly because of that just the it it's kind of just as hard if you think okay this is a dc9 it's just conceptually hard to wrap your head around like well nine like why is it nine but if you make it if you if you just put the word percentage in there and then make it out of a hundred yeah it's it's a little bit easier to digest for for non-gamers yeah it all goes back to that accessibility type thing exactly so you said that the game already comes with pre-generated characters or is there some sort of system for creating your own jeremy you just keep asking the most <laughs> difficult questions. Uh, the best way ever. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. So, look, f- full disclosure. Yeah, at present there are there are ten. Actually, I know, 12. I know. Oh, oh, there oh, are oh. there are ten heroes that um, actually not all ten have been seen on the show yet or heard on the show yet. I guess I should say there are two more that we have. Is we'll just call them backups. The current, current, current idea is to have a base box set with those twelve heroes released. Um, we are we are also iterating on making a a hero creation system where you know it, it gives people the option to build their own hero out. Um, honestly, we just we vacillate back and forth between wanting to have offering a system like that for people that that want to take the time to create their own heroes, and then and not having it because it's just an added layer of complexity. Um, currently looking at a basically a hundred point or a ten point buy system, mm-hmm. um, something actually that both D and D Pathfinder do, but just uh, same thing really, just a, a much much uh, a significantly more boiled down version of that. So no promises or anything like that, but that that's where we're. Though I can say I think we're leaning towards you know our first version of the game that comes out will release ten heroes. And then in a second or a third edition, maybe a year or two later, that'll obviously have more adventures in it. We will will unload a, a hero creation system because I think we can all probably agree that one of the best things about D and D is when you create a hero, and when it feels like the hero, this person, this person that you love, that you've played with for years, when they're gonna die, it it's a whole new you know, level of experience. And look, I think you could argue that if there's a hero in Tavern of Heroes that you really love and you take them out on every adventure, the same type of stakes apply. Like if they're about to die, you don't want them to die. And that can certainly happen in our de- in our game. And in our game, if your hero dies, there's a chance they can get revived, but you are not allowed to play them anymore in the game. Like, they're you know, they're permanently dead and, and then you have to play with the other nine heroes. So... Um, so yeah, so that that's kind of everything that we're flirting with, but we certainly haven't made a concrete decision yet. Okay, and it seems like because you have these different um, characters, are they kind of representative of different classes that you might expect in some sort of role playing game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have your your base ones that that everyone's familiar with, like a cleric or a fighter, um, a ninja that's basically a rogue, a wizard, you know, spellcasters and. Yeah, we have some different uh, – Mystic is in there. What are other different classes? Uh, knight. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all pretty familiar class archetypes uh, that, that are, again, just, just simplified based off of uh, the you know, current or popular RPG system. Actually, and I would even say that they are – they lean way more into kind of the big tropes. You know what I mean? Like it's – if you sit down and see some of our heroes, you're – almost always going to be like, oh, yeah, I kind of generally know yeah. what that is, even if you're a non-gamer. And, you know, especially because we only have humans, right? Like, you're not going to sit down and be like, okay, what's a dragonborn bard? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, what there's not like are. there's yeah. not like racial passive abilities or anything like that. It's it's a, it's it's pretty streamlined. So how do your stats work? Do you have um, different categories like strength or dexterity or anything like that? Yeah, so that's a that's a super good question. Again, it's one of the macro decisions we made early on. We don't. We don't. On the hero there's sheet, no there's stats. no base stats. There's no strength, ability, dexterity, intelligence, charisma. We don't have any of that. Um, we do all of it on the back end and roll it into basically skill checks. Like we have a diplomacy check, which, you know, essentially incorporates your charisma modifier. It's things like that, like stealth and athletics already are kind of incorporating your dexterity 
modifier. It, it's stuff like that. So, um, and that that's probably it's probably worth mentioning now because I'm sure people are like, well, what in the world? We also don't have leveling up or loot, which is again, I mean, that's so much different than D and D and Pathfinder. But you know, it's just our our heroes kind of they probably. I was curious about this driving up here because I don't think we've thought about this. They kind of sit around like a level six, level seven, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe a little lower than that. Um, you know, so they're like certainly dealing a bunch of damage, but you know, they're not like level 18, level 19, mm-hmm. you know, picking up mountains and throwing them on cities or anything. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah. And they're not noobs either by any means. Like some of them can do really, really, actually all of them can do really, really cool stuff, but they're not overpowered and they don't, they don't level up and they don't get better weapons or anything again, just so that it's, you know, get in, pick your hero, sit down, play in an hour or two and you're done. And you have played a tabletop RPG, you know? So a couple, a couple more things to, to touch on here, I think around, around our hero sheets. Um, one it's, I was responsible for, or at least the the mathematical side of of the the hero sheets and making sure that we had some type of system of, of checks and balances and mm-hmm. I did use kind of an ad hoc point by system um, that that was that was based around ten points like I, you could spend a point to raise your health points or spend a point to raise your um, what we call our our dr defense rating your which is your ac and and um, in Pathfinder and D and D, but or yeah, or yeah, or your damage output or or like adding um, to your your skill check modifiers, but um so so there was a, a kind of an ad hoc system in place but honestly michael and i just relied pretty heavily on on our judgment we've been playing games since we were four years old so we have a you know just a pretty good idea of uh of of what appropriate skill i honestly jeremy you would you would do the same thing as well like you would have a pretty good idea like a tank should probably have more health points and have more armor mm-hmm. uh, but is not gonna be able to cast any spells right so and again it, it's not a super complicated system so it was it was a pretty easy arena to play in if that makes sense and the other thing we did um I feel like I need to give a, a little preface or, or full disclosure in my my employer. I work for a company called Riot Games, who produces um, League of Legends. I don't I don't know if you're familiar with that title at all. It's a, it's a PC game, uh, yeah, no MOBA, one's heard of that. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeremy. That was very funny. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Well, for those who don't know, it's the every every uh, champion in that game has has four abilities played on Q, W, E, and R on the keyboard. The R is the ultimate ability, and uh, Michael and I iterated on, on, on a lot of different ideas or approaches for the hero sheet, and um, probably because I'm I'm pretty biased or partial to the the League of Legends champion system, we just thought that was a brilliant idea. So um, all of our heroes have three abilities, and then an ultimate ability. Um, that it, it I mean it, it's a loose tie to to what League of Legends does, but. Um, really like that system in in the sense of its simplicity, and then our spellcasters will have a spell sheet that has five to seven. Yeah, uh, one page. Yeah, five five to seven spells on it. That that's just one page. So again, just wanted to give you that context as well in terms of actually, Michael Michael said it uh, a really great way the other day. He was in a couple two three weeks ago now he he played he sat guested in a a D campaign what were you sixth level eighth level right it was 5e and i was an eighth level cleric really quick what was your cleric's name again i loved it uh her name was umara gandu she was so dope she was uh <laughs> oh, i forget her race now ah, i don't remember anyway but my spell sheet was 19 pages and again like you know I love that, like as the player experience, me sitting there. But it was it was kind of validating in terms of you know that is so inaccessible to so. And granted, it was eighth level, so obviously I was way more powerful. But even in D and D and and Pathfinder games that I've had before, playing with new people, sometimes like they don't even know how to swing their axe. Like they look down at their character sheet and they're like, "Where is my?" Well, I don't even know what number to look at or like what to roll. And, you know, it can just be even on the pre-gens, right? Like even if they let alone if they roll their own character. And, yeah, you know, there's feats and there's talent and there's 15 skills. And, they're, yeah, I mean, it, it's just hard. Like it's it's so hard to look down and, a lot. And, know, and know what to do. So just having QW and ENR, man, it's – again, it, it's kind of that video game experience. It's right like – yeah, you know, you you get in, you kind of know what your guy can do really early on, and then you got to tactically think how you can play him to to the best ability mm-hmm. or her. Do they even have like cooldowns? Is it like you do like a spell and you can't do that again for two more <laughs> turns or something? Yeah, we have. Um, 
it it's it's basically falls in two camps either once per combat or once per day um are all all spell and then some spells will have uh i think a max of three right yeah, do yeah there's a there's oh, a no, couple well, unlimited yeah there's a couple um but but yeah pretty, that that's about it so i guess those those four different once per combat once per day a slot of three or unlimited uh abilities which you know would be like orisons or something you know there's no yeah there's no like spell levels or spell preparation or resting and getting half your spells but components yeah yeah, components all that stuff is is gone so how does combat work um is there a way you kind of describe like a combat of course yeah so instead of initiative we say turn order again just because that that makes sense we we've sat down with people for the first time and say okay roll for initiative like great what's that um (laughs) but uh you know saying okay we're gonna roll for turn order um just just makes a lot more sense and then pretty simple really so the 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 turn economy is you can take an attack action which we're all going to know is is uh make an attack or cast a spell um you can take a move action which has some some slight variations you can you can move regularly you can uh pick up a weapon or you can uh, get up from off the ground, like if you get knocked prone um, standing up. There's there's other things I could step out there, but I'll leave it there for now. And then um, ours are our, our third action is what we call a simple action, which people might be familiar with as a, as a free action a or swift action. action or bonus action. Yeah, we just say a simple action, and that's um, talking or drinking a potion or drawing a weapon. Actually, is a simple a simple action in our game. Dropping a weapon, turning around, things like that. Yeah, you can do all three of those things on your turn, but only one of each of them if that makes sense and then the only other thing that we do that's different is um we well we don't have double moves pathfinder uses double moves and 5e which i actually love is you know every our heroes all have a movement speed and in 5e if you like move up to a guy and let's say you move 10 feet you can take an attack action and then finish your movement but i think that's so cool anyway but we we don't have that what we kind of did instead of that is if you don't take a move action on your turn and you are a melee character, you can take two melee attacks instead of one because you're basically just standing toe-to-toe and and you can take two moves. So that's the only slight complication in our uh, turn economy. And are there different rules for like a melee weapon or a ranged weapon or if you're casting a spell as your attack or is it all kind of streamlined? Um, streamlined. I mean, we we have cover, um, but there isn't you don't you don't take a negative if you're like shooting at an enemy that's in melee combat with an ally. There, there's no negatives or anything like that. Um, yeah, there's no penalties. There's things there's there's advantages for being prone. We have advantages for being flanking. They're, they're both plus 20. Um with you know, I mean, all hero sheets can can modify that. Like some some NPCs or or monsters and creatures could could get different bonuses to that. But yeah, but but pretty streamlined to, to answer it basically. This also might be a good <laughs> point to uh, mention. We also don't have conditions. You know, like sometimes it can be really hard to keep track of. Like, what does it mean if I'm sickened or staggered or, um, mm-hmm. you know, we we just got rid of all those again just for ease. And we certainly have. You know, like dots, like damage over times and things that give your hero penalties and spells and stuff and bleed and like, you know, all those types of things. But they're just, you know, there isn't a section in our player's guide that steps out like, hey, this is what it means if you're sickened. It just, you know, it's right in the adventure or on the hero sheet, like the spell describes exactly what it what it does. Yeah, this is Stephen, not to literally directly uh, counter what you just said, but we... we (laughs) Um, monsters and creatures can, they can have abilities or spells that will cause conditions, but there aren't like a preset list of 20 different conditions that you could get. And even more importantly, the, correct me if I'm wrong, the maximum amount of duration that any type of, uh, you know, specific spell condition could last is two rounds, uh, which is another really nice thing. Well, there's some exceptions to that, but, um... Yeah, again, again, pretty pretty streamlined. There aren't any like base set conditions that that you could that you could walk into. So how does death work? Do you just hit 0 HP and you're out? Oh, or was it a- Jeremy. That's the big question. <laughs> we talked we talked about this oh, forever. Um and ultimately here's what we came up on. I'll try to be as, as specific as I can and step it out cuz it's so cool. I it's one of my favorite things we designed. Here it is. So, if your hero drops to zero health points you go unconscious you fall down to the ground you have you essentially have two rounds to be healed or you die you permanently die 
So how that works mechanically is let's say your hero acts first. There's four um, there's four creatures going into combat. Yeah, who have you know their turns. If you go down, then your allies have all, both of their turns in that round or their three turns in that round. If they don't heal you, they basically have the next round to heal you. And if they don't do that, by the end of the next round that you go down in, it's, it's, it always sounds so confusing, but it's it's kind of simple. By the end of the next round that you go down in, if you're not healed, you die. But we also have an adventure specifically written into the game that's called the Cave of Death. And how that works is you can then take two heroes that go into the Cave of Death and they essentially try to save your soul. And I'll skip over a bunch That's of awesome. you know the actual specifics. But we obviously have like we have three deities in our world. We have a good deity, kind of a neutral deity, and a bad deity. And our bad deity named Manon essentially controls the underworld and kind of keeps your or a hero's soul captive for 24 hours the heroes go down and then manon the name of that deity summons one of six demons to fight the two heroes that come down if you are successful you get that hero back in the game their souls are turned you can keep playing them if you fail then they're permanently out of the game um and so that so that's our death that's how death works that also, sounds like a really good way to do that actually i really like yeah. that having like a separate adventure for it it's pretty cool yeah, we, you know, it does, it kind of harkens back to that, that video game style feel that, that we were, that we were going for. Like, wow, you get res, then you got Yeah, exactly, right. You get res and like, how cool, I mean, I can't think of better stakes and we've, we've had this happen before. I won't, um, I won't give away any spoilers for, uh, our own show, but, you know, we, we've had it happen where a, a hero died and then two other heroes were chosen to go back in and get him. And I mean, when I tell you that I was so dehydrated at the end of that adventure because I was sweating profusely for an hour and a half, like it's just, it was so exciting. It was one of the, one of my most favorite, you know, adventures or stories that, that we've done on the show. Also just a quick clarifying point too. We don't have negative, you can't, you can't go negative hit points. So um, yeah, there's no con. So like healing, healing, you know, somebody back up, you don't have to like, if they're down to like negative six, you don't have to do nine points of healing to get them back up. We we don't deal with any of that at all. It's just if you if you drop, you drop. You're at zero health points, and then you have to be healed in any capacity to get back up and, and be saved. I also think there's one other thing that's worth clarifying. If um, let's say this is Michael, and let's say Steve and I are playing, and um, off air, like outside of a podcast, we have Tavern of Heroes, the box set. The character that I play on the show is called Morty. He's an alchemist. He throws bombs. He's hilarious. He's this old crazy guy like Albert Einstein. If Morty dies in an adventure, what's really cool and I think super unique about Tavern of Heroes is Steve and I can cho- then choose to play a Cave of Death adventure to try to rescue Morty. And I get to play a different hero to try to save Morty. You know what I mean? So like, so it's really cool as a player experience. Like I'm actually involved in saving the hero that I love. You know what I mean? Which is... Which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. So let's let's say, okay, let's fast forward. Let's say it's two years from now. Tavern of Heroes is out. It's available at every gaming store. You go. It's you guys killing. It's in Walmart. It's Dungeons at Target. And Dragons. Well, no, the not that. Honestly, we don't. No, no, we don't even want that. We love D and D. Go ahead. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm here in the fantasy. <laughs> and you know, let's say I I bought your box set. I bought all your supplemental material. I have ran through all your campaigns. Are your rules set up in such a way that I could create my own adventure? Jeez, Jeremy, we're going to have to hire you on the design team. Yeah, what are you doing for like the rest of your life? I know you live in Atlanta, but maybe we'll hire you <laughs> out. Um, so yeah, look, that is, that's certainly the goal. That's, um, frankly, that's, that's kind of how Steve yeah. and I got into making Tavern of Heroes is we took D&D and Pathfinder rule system, well, and the world and and made our own adventures within Galarian and um yeah so so that is certainly the goal and our world is certainly big enough to support people making their own adventures um and i again it's uh, what i want to say is absolutely our rule system can support that it's just 
I don't want to say that officially until we've play tested it like crazy. But in your hypothetical situation in two years when it's at Walmart and it's having a bureau or it's at Target and everything, man, absolutely. That is that's because I think that's probably the most fun that I personally have had is writing my own adventures. And I'm a screenwriter and I was an English major and I've always been a storyteller and I've written books and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, writing my own adventure is uh, there's nothing more fun than that to me. So. I certainly that's certainly where we're, we'd like to go. Yeah. And, um, you know, wh- one of the things that's actually clearly written in in our, our rule system. Actually, I'll just read it to you right out of it. It says, like any good game, our rules are meant to enhance the player experience. The system we design is simple to learn and fun to play. Actually, I thought there was another part to that, too. But that basically just says, like, just like just like D&D and Pathfinder, you know, house rules are, are totally okay, and, and we want to give the story master in our game the the flexibility and ability to to be adaptive and, and take the story where, you know, the the players and, and the story master want it to go. Um, but to answer your question directly, you know, the, the rule system, I'm not exaggerating, it, it's seven pages, is it is easy enough, it is simple enough that creating your own adventure and writing your own adventures would be honestly way easier than than doing so in Pathfinder and and D&D. And I can say that because I've done that. We we've done a ton of homebrews in for both 5e and and Pathfinder, but but writing them for Tavern of Heroes is uh is much much simpler. Well, and I want to step that out a little bit more because I think we certainly have the world and the lore and the basic um rule system in place to do that. The only area where it would get fuzzy is you know like if you wanted to create your own character or i'm sorry your own monster right and like actually designing their own stat block with our rule system you know like in pathfinder there's cr right and i forget the equivalent in um creature rating right yeah yeah and i forget the equivalent in D now but you know like it would be hard to it would be really easy to probably overpower a monster or or underpower them or make them really weak. And since we don't currently have some type of, you know, table and really stepped out mathematical system um, that allows you to really crunch. And look, there are people that would love that, right? To like crunch all the numbers and know exactly what type of creature they are designing, like how hard the combat would be. We don't have that yet, but you know, that's certainly something we could, we could try to develop. Yeah, I think you gave us a timeline of two years in this amazing fantasy that you set up. <laughs> I think, I think in two years That's from now, we'd be, right? yeah, we, we'd be really happy with you know the base set. You could buy the adventures online um, as as PDFs just to you know add to to, to to keep coming up with new content to play. That's more of like a three four year mark of coming up with a, the equivalent of a bestiary um, to really allow for custom built or, or homebrew adventures for for people. Well, I think that we have given our listeners a lot to consider when it comes to Tavern of Heroes podcast and your gaming system. Is there anything else that either of you would like to say before we end our discussion today? Uh, no, I guess if you don't mind, we'll do you know a quick plug. As we mentioned, you can um, check out our website, which is just www.tavernofheroes.com. You can literally listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If on iTunes or Stitcher, just type in Tavern of Heroes. We have... Uh, we'll have nine episodes out uh, by the time that this airs. We have an Instagram and a Facebook page um, uh, and Twitter, which is M Nightbringer. The guy that runs the Tavern of Heroes in our world is named Malar Nightbringer. So we let him, he was really adamant about it. We let him run all of our social <laughs> media. Um, and, you know, if you do happen to listen, man, seriously, I, like just thank you for listening. Steve and I worked on it for so long and we're so happy with it. And yeah, if you if you decide to check it out, that will mean a lot to us. And you too, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having us on, man. This is the first time we've gotten to really get on a granular level and talk about the rule system, which is just so exciting for mm-hmm. us because, you know, we're just such hardcore gamers. This is Steven. I think, you know, the only the only other thing I'd I'd like to add, and Michael and I always feel the the need to say this, is because we we did something, we we made a system that's so inherently different from Pathfinder and D and D. It's implied that we don't like those systems, and I just want to be very clear that nothing could be further from the truth. We we you know we 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 played 
5e for actually i guess we started with third edition didn't we but uh you know played D for years and and m- more recently in the past four or five years we've been playing pathfinder and we absolutely love those game systems we said it before but if tavern of heroes can be kind of a, a gateway drug or a gateway to those systems nothing nothing would make us happier um you know again this is just for targeted and jeremy maybe you're one of them like your girlfriend this is targeted to not just players that haven't played before but people that have played for years that want to get their friends and family to, to play. Like that's what the, the system and the show is, uh, is geared to, but yeah, don't want to take anything away from other RPG systems out there because we absolutely love them as well. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys. Um, thanks again for coming on the show. I, I hope that the listeners enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I personally, well, first of all, I've listened to a few episodes of your podcast. I'm definitely going to finish listening to all of those. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And um, I'm excited for Tavern of Heroes to to become available. This is something I would definitely like to try and introduce to some of my friends, especially the ones that are, you know, a little bit more elusive, the, the ones that have been kind of dodging me when I'm asking them to come over for D&D night. <laughs> yeah, so get I those know, guys. I know that experience, yeah. And man, Jeremy, send us your resume, man. You asked some great questions. We got <laughs> we got to hire you for the vision of the company. <laughs> oh, and, and and True Nerd. I'll expect that in our inbox at the morning. I would have I seen True Nerd. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us, man. You were, you were a phenomenal host. Yeah, it was great. As always, I just wanted to take some time to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that our discussions were able to entertain and inspire you. How do you usually get new players to the table? Do you hand them the book and make them read it cover to cover? Or do you have some sort of method for easing new players in? We want to hear about it. You can send us comments, questions, or just say hi by going to DiceTalkShow.com. There you can engage on our blog with the Dice Talk community, explore image gallery, and stay up to date with all things Dice Talk. If you want to find us on social media, you can search on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search Dice Talk and start following us today. You can also get in touch with us by sending us an email to dicetalkshow at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. They really help to get us to the top of the charts, and it is the best way to support the show. We will continue to read out reviews in the future as long as we keep receiving them. So tell us what you think and listen for your shout out. Until then, tell your friends about us and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening to Dice Talk and be sure to tune in next time for episode 9. <laughs>